Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegen Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll start off the podcast by going over the Bundesliga match day results. Yes, there were 34 goals this weekend, so plenty to get through. So we'll start with the Friday night game. We had Mainz 1, Bayer Leverkusen 5. On Saturday, we had leaders of the pack, Dortmund 3, Hoffenheim 3, RB Leipzig 0. Frankfurt, nil. Hanover, two. Nuremberg, nil. Borussia Mönchengladbach, nil. Hertha Berlin, three. Freiburg, three. Wolfsburg, three. And the late kickoff game on Saturday, we had Bayern Munich at home beating Schalke, three, one. And then on Sunday, Werner Bremen, four. Augsburg, nil. And Fortuna Dusseldorf, three. Stuttgart, nil. So, yes. Lots of goals, and Chris, unfortunately, um, RB Leipzig and uh, Eintracht Frankfurt seem to have let us down, haven't they, by having a nil-nil? How dare they? Well, it's uh, just one game, isn't it? I think we can forgive that, but um, both Bayern and Bayer Leverkusen made up for Leipzig and Frankfurt's lack of goals. Yeah, I I think uh, many of the sides uh, made up for it, didn't they? But you'd feel a little bit hard done by being a neutral, maybe watching that game, wouldn't you? But um, joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how's your week been in Germany? Yeah, um, back home, it's it's really nice. I was actually in Mainz on Friday. Um, So, you know, I never see Leverkusen play on the road. They score a lot of goals. So um, I should probably not say that too loud. I will never get accreditation in places like Mainz or Berlin ever again um, to see Leverkusen. But yeah, I really enjoyed that match. And then, of course, always enjoyed. uh, And this is one for for you, Andrew Flint, if you're listening. I really enjoyed the buffet at Bayern. That joke just keeps on going, doesn't it? In fact, that's even longer... uh... I suppose lasting than than Leverkusen to win the title that you predicted, Manu. But yeah, as I said, you know we've still got plenty more match days to to rip you about that one on. But um, joining uh, Chris, uh, Manu, and I, very special guest that we're excited about his first time on the podcast. We've got Jack Grimsey. Jack, thank you very much for taking the time out and coming on to the Gag and Present podcast uh, on this occasion. Um, just for anyone that doesn't know who you are, um, and by the way, everyone should be following this man on Twitter if you want to hear about, um, well, English football, German football, and so much more. Jack, just explain what exactly you do. Yeah, Bryce, thanks for having me on, of course, guys. A lot of what I do is covering, previously I covered mostly Bundesliga and talked about Aston Villa a lot, had a podcast about Villa that Bryce, you were saying you're in another WhatsApp group that your friends are from the West Midlands. So you're always seeing my tweets in there. But yeah, I, I don't know, I guess I do a lot of a lot of different stuff in the world of football and based in New York, most recently was at Copa 90, doing video and uh, digital production, I guess you could say. Very good, Jack. And uh, yeah, I must say that I'm a lot more clued up on Aston Villa for, for a Liverpool fan that's into uh, German football, uh, really should be, to be honest. Um, it, it's, a, it's amazing the circles you get thrown in sometimes. But um, Hey, we, we've had some wild results this year at 5-5. That would be commonplace <laughs> in the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, I think so. Even their Friday night game, which ended up 3-3 with uh, goals starting from Villa on the 82nd minute. I've heard all about it today in work. But, <laughs> guys, let, let's talk about German football. Let's focus on that a little bit. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Villa another time. Um, Manu, you were at uh, Mainz uh, versus uh, Leverkusen. Uh, six goals. Um yeah, what what a performance by Bayer Leverkusen. This is the um, the team that you said um, online was the team that you would have um, anticipated to to have a title challenge. Yeah, they, they've turned up a little bit late for that, but yeah, what a performance, especially by uh, Julian Brandt as well. Um, yeah, that that title joke never does get old. You know what? I will just tip them again next year, Bryce, so we just can keep it going forever. But in all honesty, it, this this side just baffles me because. They beat Bayern last weekend. Then they go out midweek against Heidenheim in the cup. And then they put up 45 minutes against Mainz that were out of this world. I mean, I think I had down in my notes that it should have been 7-3 up to 50, 45 minutes. And the it, it was quite remarkable, really, how many chances. And Mainz had a few chances as well. How, how remarkable it was that this game went back and forward. And the amount of horsepower the side Leverkusen can bring onto the field if they really want to. Um, and that's, I think, when you look at the table, they now it's 33 points, they're now sixth, right? Um, if you really consider the way they played here and have played many times the season before, remember they also beat Gladbach 5-0 in the cup, right? Uh, it's really, it, the side just baffles me. It's They're so hot and cold, and I'm not sure if it's going to be any different going forward under Peter Bosch, because... Even in this game, there was periods in there where a Mainz, and their Mainz is not the greatest side in the league, um, could have scored three or four goals as well, right? Um, so I think any other team is going to do some pretty big damage to Leverkusen, but at the same time, Leverkusen has just so much offensive power that they can almost walk, get away with it at times. Yeah, that's it. Talking about um, Leverkusen blowing hot, hot and cold. I mean, Jack, if we go to you, I mean, do you think uh, Peter Bosk has made... A, a massive difference there and I suppose then the next question would be do you think the bubble will burst uh, a little bit like what it did last year with Dortmunds um, they have won seven of the last nine in the league which is quite a turnaround from the start of the league campaign yeah it's interesting and we saw this at Leverkusen not last year but the year before I think they finished the season with like eight wins in their in their last 10 games or something like that and all of these players are starting to mature a little bit more. Uh, Julian Brandt, as you mentioned, his interplay with Kevin Voland was incredible. That <laughs> Brandt two goals and two assists, I think, and his first Bundesliga brace. But as you mentioned, will will this last under Peter Bosch? It's it's hard to say, but at least they can really score a lot of goals against some of the weaker sides in the league. And <laughs> I mean, they did beat Bayern as well. It's it's just really hard to judge. Although you could argue that the way Bayern have been defending, and we'll get to that later in this podcast, um, you know, they, they're not exactly make it hard for teams to ship goals past them. I think, and I'm glad you mentioned Julian Brandt, um, Jack, because he was he was incredible, and he he was incredible in a position that he hasn't been playing um, for, hasn't been playing in a long time because Bosch has moved him back into a midfield three. He was placed as a number eight now. And he's very effective in that position. And that actually added like another question mark to, to my entire match day thoughts because they had, of course, the back four that they had Aaron Guiz and then they had Havertz and Brandt playing as two number eights. And then they had an attacking three on top of that with Bellarabi, Folland and Bailey. I mean, that's incredible top heavy. And Yeah, how, how many attackers can you really shoehorn into one side? But they have to almost. They don't. They almost don't have a choice, right? Because they have all that talent. I mean, who do you leave out? Do you leave Bailey out? Do you leave Folland out? Do you leave Bellarabi out? Do you leave Brandt out? Do you leave Harvards out? I mean, who do you leave out in the end of the day? And I think, I guess, against a side like Mainz, or even against a side like Bayern, it works because those teams have problems in the transition game. But it'd be really interesting to see what happens if they play against a team that just can lock down the midfield a little bit better than those teams that are, that are defending high because every team that is defending high they they just run past right um, but yeah it's 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 that amazing attacking talent that they have is what makes this team such a dangerous proposition but at the same time also causes a lot of the defensive problems and I actually almost thought when Harvards came off in the 65th minute for Baumgartlinger 
they were actually almost better. But again, then you have to sacrifice a player. Chris, if we go to you um, to talk a little bit about uh, Leverkusen as well. I mean, would you say that Bayern Leverkusen at the moment are in full Peter Bosk mode you know we did see some lovely football from them from Dortmund last year didn't we before the implosion and 11 goals in their last three games it is impressive I mean how far can Bayer Leverkusen possibly go this season you know how far can they climb the table it's a good question Bryce because we did see Dortmund start last season with Peter Bosch played brilliantly some excellent football but once teams started to work it out, they were able to sit a little deep and, and maybe not press them because they're so quick on the counter. And you saw some of those um, traits against Mainz. Mainz obviously could have taken the lead early on and were looking to score, and that sort of played into Leverkusen's hands. I, I mean, they're currently their sixth. They could mathematically make it up to fourth to Leipzig. You know, it's only five points behind, and there's enough games left. Um, whether they will do that, I. Probably on the same train as um, Manu and Jack. And at the back, they're a little bit suspect. And on another day against another team, they could have leaked more than the goal they did. But they've got that philosophy that Peter Bosch had early on. And, and if you look back to his, his um, Ajax side in the Europa League run, um, it was like, well, if you score two, we don't care. We'll go and score three. And if you score three, we'll just score four. So it's as if defending is a bit of a byproduct. And it doesn't matter at the moment because they beat Bayern um, convincingly. They paid um, exceptionally well against Mainz, who uh, Matthew Marshall, who everyone who listens to this pod will know, and he goes to the games on our behalf. Um, he christened them absolute trash. And I'll agree with that because they were awful against Augsburg last week. Um, and they were even worse, really, this time against um, Leverkusen. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Leverkusen get on in the next few weeks. You know, they've got some, they've got some okay games coming up. But I think the the one coming up against Dusseldorf is going to be a real test because they're a side in in an ascendancy themselves. I, I want to say at least one positive thing about Mainz. Um, the carnival celebrations were fun, and the shirt was all right. And <laughs> that's it. That's all they had to offer. Well, I'm glad there were some positives if they were positives. Unfortunately, nothing on the field though. Um, Manu, I'm just going to go back to you because um, you'll know a little bit more probably about Krasnodar than the most people, you know, with your interest uh, and your, I suppose your specialised subject would be uh, football in that part of the world. How do you think uh, Bayer Leverkusen are going to get on? Do you think this is going to be a, a walk in the park for them? You know, this is actually going to be a side that is going to test them quite a bit because the Krasnodar are um, very compact in midfield. They lead the league in, in Russia um, in terms of passes completed, um, passes played, and the possession. And so this is a side that um, is going to make it very difficult for, for Leverkusen to play a quick transition game. And so this is going to be quite a test for them. Um, I think the one positive for Leverkusen going into this, this is Krasnodar's first competitive game in three months. Um, that, that first game, the first game in the first round of the Champions League playoffs or the Europa League playoffs is always very tricky for teams from Russia and Ukraine because they go on a very long winter break, right? And for Krasnodar, they actually both those games are the first two competitive games because they don't actually play a competitive league game until March. So it could be a bit rusty. So I think Leverkusen really needs to capitalize on that in the first game because this is a very good team. Nice. Well, it filled us in a little bit more on that subject, which is good to hear. I'm sure there'll be more readings on that on the Football Grad Network, which you'll be able to find. Um, Just before we go to Jack to talk about um, a rather special uh, derby um, that, well unofficial derby I suppose between Hanover as they were at home to Nuremberg they managed to win that one 2-0 uh, Manu what was this um, so-called a derby being called and can you explain it please and then we'll uh, we'll move to Jacka uh, about the the two sides yeah I don't think we need to dwell too much on this game because this is uh, the derby of two teams that are likely relegated right they this game was dubbed El Kakiko those who spend a bit more time in German, Germany know what me, Kacke means, right? Um, imagine the poo emojicon and you're pretty much there. Uh, so they decided, one, one journalist in Germany decided that uh, Spain has the Classico. Um, so the, the game between the two lowest teams in Germany is, well, it's a shit game. So it's El Kakiko. 
right? So that was the, the hashtag that has been used for this game and um, pretty much in all newspapers in Germany. And I thought it was quite a clever usage of, you know, branding a team game that was probably the worst in the league um, at this stage of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure both teams, both players and both supporters were happy about uh, that hashtag anyway. But yeah, we're going to go to uh, Jack a little bit. And we, I suppose we don't need to dwell on the game too much. But uh, we did see Hanover win 2-0. Uh, Nuremberg had an early sending off. But would you say, you know, with the, uh, I know it's only a two-point gap, but, you know, with Nuremberg losing as well, yeah, it, it, it's hard to see them uh, climbing out of this position uh, and surviving. Would you not agree, Jack? Yeah, that's what I had my, in my notes. Um, was this Nuremberg's last chance to stay up or are they going to be washed away back to the Zweite Bundesliga? I think that red card you mentioned, it was definitely deserved. It was just 11 minutes in. It did, it did change the game, of course, but I don't think the referee made a mistake by showing Simon Red Ryan a straight red card. And Hanover, is, is there a positive that we can take away from this? I mean, Yes, obviously they came up against effectively ten men, and they won and got three points. But you know that there's still a lot of work to be done for them to possibly push out of uh, the bottom three. Correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. But you do only have to get one more point; they'll be level with Stuttgart for that relegation playoff place, which I know Chris and Manu are following very closely. But if you're going to look for a positive, I think. Nico Muller coming in on loan in January. At least you can look at Hanover's transfer policy and say, okay, that they at least are trying and, and doing some things right there. That's it. Hanover are going to have the joys of going away to Hoffenheim in their next game. Uh, they'll be desperate to get some points and follow this one up, I think, with a bit of success. Uh, Chris, um, let's uh, go over to you and talk a little bit about Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, we had talked I would say loosely about them being in the uh, title race um, as they had been sitting in second between uh, Dortmund and Bayern. But a loss at the weekend, a surprising loss, uh, a 3-0, pushes them down to a third. And you would have to say that eight points is probably a step too far if it wasn't over already, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. When I watched this match back, my face was as perplexed as Dieter Hecking's because... I don't think anyone really expected um, Gladbach to fall this heavily um, and and at home as well in Borussia Park. They they have been quite good this season. Uh, but Hertha are one of those sides that, a little bit like Gladbach, uh, can play hot and cold. Um, and you saw the hot side of Hertha. They, I think they were unlucky midweek against Bayern in the Pokal. So maybe they had a point to prove. I, I think they proved it. But yeah, Gladbach, I think now... That is such a big defeat for them to make up three points to Bayern, who are flying. Um, and then obviously there's a further eight points to make up to Dortmund, who are maybe having a little stumble, but I can't even see Gladbach making that up now. Um, I think they have to be careful of Leipzig on their shoulder. Those two teams could interchange quite easily in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, as in, if we're going to talk about bubbles bursting, I think that you're quite right. That's Gladbach's bubbles burst as regarding a title challenge now, unless. It's going to take something special from both Dortmund and Bayern to enable Gladbach to, to get past either of them. I mean, Jack, uh, I suppose uh, I want to go to you just for a second. I mean, the, the listeners of the podcast will know that we've talked, uh, meet Chris uh, and Manu, a, a bit about Gladbach and whether they're actually title challengers, even when they were a little bit closer. I mean, did you ever believe for a second that they might have you know, any kind of chance, even maybe an outside chance uh, of maybe clenching the title? I I really did not, especially coming into the season. But they, I mean, they kind of kept pace with Dortmund for a while. But I really think they don't have the horses to really go thirty four matches into the season and and really keep pace with those top two sides, Bayern and Dortmund. Really, but they they're definitely champions in quality as as far as looking towards next season. Do you reckon that they will get that Champions League spots if if you were to to put money down, for example, would you put it on? Gladbach? I, I am a notoriously terrible better, but I would expect Gladbach to hold on, especially they, they have a nine-point cushion, I guess, over Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayer Leverkusen, who both run 33. So I, I think they'll be able to, to hang on, but I, I do expect them to finish fourth and kind of get passed by Leipzig. Just, just because I'm sure we'll get to it, but Leipzig's defense has been incredible. Yeah, that that's exactly it. I'm... I'm I probably uh, wouldn't put money on it, but if if you were to, 
Yeah, I think they'll probably hold out. And Manu, let's talk a little bit about, um, well, Freiburg and Wolfsburg, um, who, um, you know, things seem a, a little bit more positive um, for. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, a 3-3 three, three thriller. I mean, um, th- this game went backwards and forth, right? Um, really entertaining game if, you know, with a goal right at the depth. Yeah, this this was this was a remarkable game, um, and it could have been four three, right? There was a goal ruled off because because Dominic Heinz was interfering with uh, Castells, and um, he was doing that from an offside position, so he played himself onside. There was a lot of debate on whether that should have been called offside or not. Um, going by the, the rules and regulations and the laws of the game, um, I'm sure Chris has one or two things about to say about that. Uh, it, this this was a right decision made by by the VAR team. I I know that a lot of a lot of the papers here said, "Well, but the play the fans cannot understand it." But you know, there has to be a black and white line about whether more someone is offside or not. And um, living part time in Canada, you know, we have we have similar rules when it comes to um, offside and degrees or uh, goalie interference. And you can't say this is goalie interference and this isn't. There has to be you know, if you touch a keeper, it is goalie interference. End of story. So it has to be the same if you use VAR in that regard. It has to be the same in football. But yeah, the game itself, I mean, um, it almost beat another game that we're going to talk about in, in a little bit in, in terms of drama because um, Freiburg, they just this is another side that just baffles me because they play such good football. They do it with so little resources. They, they are now on 23 points, you know, eight points away from the drop zone. And they, they seem to just be able to pull out miracles like that i mean they were done and dusted wolfsburg had this game done and dusted and wolfsburg has been a very good side all year and to come back from a game like that and almost win it and at the at the end of it uh, of the game as well it's that that's just a remarkable performance once again yeah i feel like we should almost go to our var expert here in uh chris williams uh chris uh, what do you think was it was it the right decision or, or not yeah, of course it's the right decision. Whether he's interfering with the keeper or not, the offside law states um, that if an, if you are closer to the opponent's goal line than both the ball and the second-last opponent, you're offside. Now, the second-last opponent was slow, and he was behind slow. So normally, we think of the second-last opponent being a goal. Um, sorry, a defender, and so are you closer to the goalkeeper. But this time, it's the second-last opponent. It just happened to be the goalkeeper. It was the wrong side of the goalkeeper, so he was offside any other way you want to look at it. The goalkeeper was, was the second-to-last player, and he was in front of him. So I don't even know why I went to VAR, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, Chris, I 100% agree with you, and I think um, the papers here in Germany in particular are trying to make more out of the story than than there is. I mean, you're quite right. I mean, the moment the defender interferes with the play and he's the second last man, right? He becomes he becomes from inactive offside to active offside. End of story. And you can't make this like a, you know some people are saying, well, this is like a a gray tone decision. No, it's not. I mean, either you have VR or you're not, and either you use it black and white or you don't. I mean, this is really for me. This was textbook. Um, of how we are yeah if you um if you if you change the situation and let's say it's it's a free kick um and the goalkeeper for some reason comes out and swaps position with the defender let's say um heinz runs in to be the goalkeeper and shallow comes out to make up the back four um and an attacker's in between the back four and the goalkeeper he's offside it's exactly the same um situation he was behind the second to last opponent so they're and in front of the, the last opponent and there's no other plays between him, so he's offside. I think people get confused because the goalkeeper's in the situation um, and, it, and it throws everybody out, but that's why the law is quite specific in its wording. It's second, last opponent, and then it says in brackets, which is normally the goalkeeper, but not always. I think well explained there, and I think we're rather definitive um, of agreeing that it should have been... The, well, it was the right decision in the end, Sam, but... Um, Jack, I'm going to go back to you a little bit. We're going to talk about this nil-nil um, game between Leipzig and Frankfurt. Um, you mentioned that RB Leipzig's defense has been somewhat impressive this season. Yeah, definitely. I believe it's. Let me just make sure to get it right. They've only allowed 18 goals in 21 That's Bundesliga correct, yeah. matches so far. Um, I guess it's a club record at this stage so far. But 
Yeah, I've, I have been impressed by them in the past. And I found myself actually, I was having a conversation with a friend last week, wondering, is it even the right decision to bring in Julian Nagelsmann next season as they've looked such a, a really competent side under Ralf Rangnick? But oh, that, that's, obviously, that's... obviously the writing's on the wall and I'm a big, I'm a big Nagelsmann fan, but just, I don't know, it seems like the, at least he's going to have something really to build upon. Well, that's a, that's an interesting topic in its own. Uh, I mean, Chris, if, if we go back to you, what do you think? Do you think Nagelsmann's going to be an improvement for them or, or, or do you, do you question it as well, just like Jack? I don't know. If question would be a harsh term. I think. I do think he's going to have to do a little bit of learning. Julian Nagelsmann. I think he's a great coach, um, despite the stand-up argument I had with him half a time once. I do, I do think he's a genuinely nice guy, and, and he knows a lot um, about the coaching world for his age, especially. Um, and he is going to be in the game for a long time. I just think he might have to look at the way those. Um, or a way his side will defend. Because if we look at um, Hoffenheim currently, uh, they should be a lot higher in the league. And I think that's all down to their defence. Very, very leaky. I've covered them a few times this season and, and every single time um, I've mentioned their defence is leaky. Take any match in the Champions League pretty much. Um, and the only reason they didn't qualify out of that group, even to the Europa League knockout stages, was because how, I'm going to say, poor the defence was. They'd play thrilling football and would draw 3-3 or just get beat 2-1 or, or be able to pull back. And that's what they're very good at. They're very good at recovering positions. And I think if we're going to look at how that happened, you just look towards this weekend where they came back from being 3-0 down to draw 3-3. That is Hoffenheim all over. But he's going to move to... A Leipzig side, which Jack's correctly pointed out, have got an exceptional defence. So he needs to be able to make sure that that carries on. If he can bring his attacking prowessness into that Leipzig side and keep the defence, they will be a serious title contender and Pokal contender under Nagelsmann. Um, I'm pretty sure Ralf Ragnick will sit him down and have a chat with him, um, not in a patronising way. I think they'll they'll thrash it out um, and, and maybe... Julian Nagelsmann will get to know who his immediate boss is because we've heard him comment he's not sure who it is or maybe that it's Oliver Mintzlaff, but we'll have to wait and see. I think he needs to to address that defensive issues. And, and he's a very good coach. He's very good on a training ground. You know, He's at the, the very modern end. Um, the implementations he's brought in with technology, I'm pretty sure he'll see it out. And, and when he gets to Leipzig, they'll be a very good side. Yeah, certainly. And I, th- I think some of it is, is down to the personnel he has. He's doing what he's doing with what he has and at Leipzig he'll have a bigger budget and the the opportunity to get some better defenders in there so maybe it's just the case of oh he has he has a lot of good strikers and he's using them but despite what that means for their defensive record yeah it's going to be an interesting one isn't it to see whether Nagelsmann can continue on um well the upward trajectory that he's been on in his um brief and young managerial career uh, next season. Uh, Manu, let, let's talk to you a little bit about uh, one of the Eintracht Frankfurt stars. Uh, someone that we've really enjoyed uh, watching is uh, Luka Jovic. And there's been plenty of rumours circulating um, of recent that he's agreed personal terms with um, Barcelona. Is is there any talk in that? Do you think that's maybe um, turning, his, uh, turning his head a little bit on the pitch? No, we have to see the source of that first. And the source is the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung. They have reported that they have reported they apparently have found out that Luka Jovic's agent has agreed terms with Barcelona. Um, but they, that rumor has immediately was shut down by Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt saying no one has spoken to us um, and this is not a topic that we want to discuss at the moment. Um, now, the FAZ, the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, is a very, very um, legitimate source. They, they're one of the big papers. They're a serious paper. You know, they think of them similar to the New York Times in style of writing and the Times of Reach. So this is not just anyone saying this. Um, that at the same time, I mean, the, the newspaper also wrote that the likes of Chelsea, Real Madrid and, and Bayern are all interested in them. So it's it's a it's an interesting one to debate um you know i i can, can't really tell you more than that i can tell you that the agent apparently has agreed and i can say that uh, i know frankfurt have been very much keeping this uh trying to keep this under wraps but um i mean in the end of the day the way luka jovic has been playing um and you see how much barcelona paid for frankie de jong they paid 65 million euros for him and uh, according to the frz 
that is the starting point of any discussions for Eintracht Frankfurt, 65 million euros. So I think if, if Frankfurt can get that kind of money uh, for a player that they don't own yet, they have to actually still trigger his exit clause, which is um, 12 million euros. But I think if they get 65 million euros plus for Lu Luka Jovic, I'm pretty sure they're more than happy to do so. Um, I think this is all, I mean, this is all discussions, debates, these kind of things. Uh, maybe the agent is also trying to press more money out of Frankfurt. Uh, Jovic has said himself he'd be interested to play Champions League football with Frankfurt. I, I, I think we're going to hear a lot of um, rumors and suggestions like this. But again, if the FAZ says something like that, this is not a paper that um, bases, bases their um, rumors on windy sources. And Manu, what, what would you say the likelihood of Jovic being at Eintracht uh, this time next season would be? Well, they hold all the cards, don't they? I mean, they can... They can trigger his uh, buy buy on clause, and they will. Uh, him I mean, that's a certainty at this point. Um, and then he's under contract there, and I think it's a five-year contract without an exit clause. So they hold all the cards. I mean, they can say, "Look, um, we're going to hang on to you for another year or two, like we we did with Ante Rebic. Remember, that was a player where it certainly was gone. Um, so they hold all the cards, and um, Barcelona is a team. I mean, you guys are Liverpool fans. We went through the whole Osman uh, Dembele saga um, a year before, last year, right? Who eventually they had to pay for more than 100 million euros for. So Frankfurt know that if a team like Barcelona, a team like Real Madrid is knocking on the door, they're going to say, like, look, we're holding all the cards. If you're not getting our 80, 90 million euros, then sorry, we're not going to move. We're going to just keep him. Asking about this time next year is quite a hard one because that's two transfer windows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, Manu, let, uh, to just follow that up about Antrak, uh, they've got Shakhtar Donetsk um, on Thursday night. I mean, they've, they've had a fantastic uh, Europa League campaign so far. I mean, this is quite an exciting matchup, isn't it? Oh, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, this is actually... I've I've written all the Champions League previews and then I, I wrote this one for footballgraph.com and it's it's already up. So um, if you're interested in this game, go check it out. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game because Shakhtar Donetsk is a site that I have been following for quite some time. Um, a bunch of our football grad writers have seen them, um, covered them in stadium. They're an exciting team to watch. Bench the City fans who have watched them now two years in a row have seen them. Um, Chris, I believe you saw them against Hoffenheim, right? And against City. Um, they're just a really interesting team to watch. And then on the other hand, you have Frankfurt, um, who are also a fascinating team to watch. Um, with lots of attacking football, um, quick transition play. It's it's going to be really, really a fun game to watch. I think the one issue, the small issue, similar to Krasnodar, uh, Schachter Donetsk, this is their first game um, in the calendar year because of the long winter break. So they could be a bit rusty, which is, of course... Um, a plus for Frankfurt and I've read today that um, the 2,000 tickets uh, for Frankfurt have already been sold in Harkiv for the away game it's a long trip to Harkiv it's very cold there and um, the tickets in the home end for Schachter fans Schachter home fans is only 5 euros so apparently Frankfurt fans are buying those up too Yeah, that's going to be a, a mouth-watering affair as they say um, a rather exciting one indeed um, Jack, uh, let's go to you to talk a little bit about Borussia Dortmund. So that's now two draws in a row. They were 3-0 up against Hoffenheim. And then things, well, got to them, it seems. Um, what, what exactly seems to be going on with Borussia Dortmund? Would you say that this is just another blip? Or do you say that possibly nerves are showing? I think the nerves are showing a little bit and... This is the third straight match that Dortmund have played without coming away victorious. Last time they won was January 26th. Of course, there was the 3-3 the against Werder Bremen that they lost in penalties in midweek in the Pokal. And I think that, obviously, that is going to impact your team when you have... I mean, uh, Favre was rotating, but still, you're going to have a lot of players <laughs> that have to play 200 minutes over, over two games. So... I think it's kind of catching up with them. I think emotionally it's got to be pretty intense because they know Bayern is bearing down on them. And I don't know, maybe maybe it just caught up to them against Hoffenheim. But I would have expected them to show a little more resolve at home at the Signal Iduna. Um, it's not like the fans left early or stopped cheering or something. So I don't, I don't know what, what was happening there. 
Chris, what about you? Would you agree that you know it's a bit of an issue at the moment, as Jack you rightfully said, that's three games without a you know, and what we say, a win in ninety minutes. Is it nerves? Is it, is it something that uh, Dortmund and their fans should be concerned about? It may be a little bit of nerves, but when I watched this game, it, it pretty much was a carbon copy of the game that I was in the um, Westfalen Stadium for, which was Dortmund against Hertha Berlin. Um, they were very good at going forward. Uh, they shouldn't need to get a fourth goal, by the way, but they couldn't get that all-important third goal against Berlin, and it ended up 2-2. So it's something that we've seen before. Whether they're a little nervy, I'm, I'm not so sure about um, I think we'll see in the next couple of weeks if this result has made them nervous, but they really should be seeing a uh, 3-0 victory out. Um, but how many times in football do we see it across all leagues in, in not just Europe, but the entire world where a team gets one or two back and then all of a sudden I think the players do get nervous. And I don't mean they get nervous because they're thinking all about the title. They're just thinking about those three points that are at stake in that game. And yeah, unfortunately for Dortmund, it's it's... And this, I think, is a bigger dropped points than the one we had last weekend because uh, if you are um, if you're away, I can understand them dropping points. Maybe to Eintracht Frankfurt, we discussed that match before and after, and how Frankfurt are a good side, and we've just discussed it now about what a good side they are and how far can they get in the Europa League. But if you're playing at home and you and you three 0 up against Hoffenheim. You really should be seeing that game out, and you shouldn't be, you know, looking back and thinking, "Oh, if only that wouldn't have hit the post and gone in." Um, I think they'll learn a lot from that. They do still have a five-point cushion, though. No Marco Royce. How's that going to affect the Champions League? Do you know what? It might affect it so much so that they go out of it. That could be a blessing in disguise because I think if you give Dortmund the option, or you look at what's the most likely that they would win, um, I think the Bundesliga is more likely than the Champions League. So. We will have to wait and see, but yeah, it could be um, it could be a turning point. But it's going to have to be uh, there's going to have to be another loss and a draw before Bayern can can pick that up again. And I'm hoping from from my side anyway that Dortmund will find their feet again pretty quickly. And if they can't find their feet against Nuremberg, who are the bottom side, and you know, I spoke last week about Hanover, probably the worst side I've seen since the last time Hanover were relegated. Well. Nuremberg have given them a run for their money. I mean, if they can't beat them, it's going to be a poor day. Yeah, absolutely. You would imagine that they'll get back to winning ways um, against such an opponent. Um, Manu, let's talk a little bit about Marco Royce. Uh, what exactly is the situation with him at the moment? Uh, is it true that he is he's not going to be travelling over to England? Yeah, that's true. Unless it's a major bluff. Um, that's what German media today suggested about Harry Kane that maybe Tottenham are bluffing maybe Dortmund are bluffing too um, no he's he's not traveling it's um, Bild is reported today it's a hamstring hamstring issue and that he's going to be out for another 10 days um, Chris has already mentioned that the game against Tottenham of course is on Wednesday then they got Nuremberg, um, which is probably a game that Favre would have rested him anyways, right? And then that's then we're already in that 10-day reach, um, if I'm not mistaken, because they're playing Leverkusen on Sunday, uh, next Sunday. So um, if he is fit again for that game, and uh, that that's going to be an interesting game, by the way. Um, we'll probably speak about that more next week. But yeah, um, it looks like Royce is going to be back for that one, for the really important Leverkusen game. And then, of course, the really important return match against Tottenham because I think if Dortmund get a draw um, or even a, a result of um, an away goal, um, a tight result um, like that, then I think they will have a good chance going through um, in the Champions League as well. But I think Chris is not wrong because we're, we're going to talk about Bayern next, right? If Dortmund go out against... in Tottenham in the Champions League, then that's not the end of the world. But um, if by, if Dortmund's opponent for the title goes out in the Champions League, that could cause some major issues. Yeah, just very quickly before we do speak about uh, Bayern, uh, Jack, how do you feel the uh, game you know, in London, um, Dortmund versus Spurs, is going to go down? Honestly, I, I'm I'm not sure. Like like Chris was saying, and Manu agreeing with him, I think. Dortmund's priority should be the Bundesliga just because they maybe don't have the pieces to make a serious run at the Champions League. But if they can get to the last eight, maybe to the, the semifinals, I guess even, it, it could just show a lot that Dortmund is back and, and they are a big club. And, and that goes a long way as, as far as tapping up foreign players, bringing in new players in the summer, that prestige. 
But um, if if they go out against Tottenham, it's it's certainly not the end of the world. No, it's not a bad position to be in, really, is it uh, at all? Um, so yeah, let's move on to Bayern. Um, well, Jack, actually, we'll, we'll we'll go back to you on this one as well. I mean, we we seen uh, Bayern at the weekend uh, late kickoff game on Saturday uh, beat Schalke three one. A rather easy victory, uh, to be fair. Schalke were pretty bad, but it, it's good news for Bayern. You know that Dortmund slipped up, and you know they're able to um, gain ground on them. It's only five points now. Yeah, and and just when you thought Schalke were getting back in the game, uh, Ahmed Katuku, I think, what is he, eighteen, scored, <laughs> and then just two minutes later, Lewandowski scored his his one hundredth goal at the Allianz Arena which was widely celebrated as he was the first player to score 100 goals at that stadium when well done to him. But yeah, I think Schalke just have so many defensive issues and you have to wonder what happened to the team that finished second last year. Yeah, well, I'm sure Manu has uh, plenty to say. I mean, uh, you are on the, the Schalke subject. I mean, last year you weren't the biggest fan, really, of uh, Tedesco's style of football. And, uh, you know, we discussed that as that you firmly believe that the wheels had come off that bus. And they didn't show a lot, did they, on Saturday, um, apart from uh, their goal, which was very, you know, very enjoyable indeed. Um, they didn't show a lot, really, did they, during the game. Well, to be fair, they hit the post, the crossbar, and uh, I actually thought I was sitting next to Mark Lovell, um, of course, who uh, people who listen to this podcast know quite well, and he said oh, Bayern will win this game five six nil, and I said, Mark, I'm not so sure that Bayern defense. I think they're going to leak at least one, and, and he said, Well, then you name a score, and I said it will be three one, and <laughs> that, that was the final result. Um, just because that Bayern defense is so bad. But yeah, so is Schalke's. I mean... Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry, iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus. With best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, you can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuff with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. What natural, healthy-looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon? It's easy with Conair Jumbo and Super Jumbo Hot Rollers. These 12 ceramic-flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds. And because they're infused with ceramic, they transfer heat evenly for big, bouncy, long-lasting curls. Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. They make it so easy for opponents right now. And I think that as widely as this game was celebrated by, by Bayern fans and the fact that you know, they closed that gap to five points, it's, it's really interesting that the main topic after the game, among journalists and, of course, the, the, the coaching staff and the players, Niko Kovac saying, for example, um, he was asked about those defensive problems that Bayern have, and he's just said, well, if I would know what the problem is, I would shut it down. So they were playing a Schalke team that, that should have made it easy because Schalke, you know, to answer your question, just they, they, all the piece, everything that could go wrong is going wrong for them, you know. Uh, players getting hurt. The style of football has, in, in some ways, been found out, in my opinion. And Tedesco moving the pieces around, and I think it's it, at this stage right now is actually getting some of the key move pieces working better. And McKenney, for example, in the number ten position, I think this is something that Chris pointed out. I think that's been a very good move. Um, bringing in younger players like Kutuku, who scored a fast player who who ran away from Bayern's defense, really made them look bad. But um, I think at this stage, is the problem is that a lot of the players that were key players for them last year are not performing. The rest of the league has gotten better, and then they had so many injury problems. And then on top of that, Tedesco style, as a young coach, he he got away with a lot last year, and it's it's not getting away with it this year. And, and I think maybe it's just a learning process for him. 
Yeah, that's it. And I, I suppose we better talk a little bit more about Bayern. Um, Chris, we, we mentioned before with this uh, tie in the Champions League um, coming up uh, against Liverpool, a side that like to attack um, very quickly. And, you know, that, that's Jurgen Klopp's style, as uh, Bayern will full well know. Um, they seem quite vulnerable to that, which we'd mentioned previously. And this Schalke goal kind of, you know, pointed towards that again, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and as did other occasions and instances through that match where um, I think it's the the quality that Schalke have got at the moment and the fact that they were a little unlucky as well. Um, Ulreich made a good save. I think it was um, Konopianka cut in and, and probably should have done better. Um, if you put that up to the, the level of opponent they're going to uh, meet in the Champions League, I think maybe that one goes in, um, as well as a very good goal that was scored against them. So... It's going to be difficult for them, um, but you know they're going to play Liverpool, who have had problems themselves defending recently. So th- I mean, this Champions League tie, I tweeted out, could be it could be a Champions League classic. It wouldn't surprise me if it ended up something like seven six on aggregate, and they pick who wins from that because I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, having watched both sides closely over the last month, um, I think the fortunes have, have been role reversed. So it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, but I think what Bayern can be really positive about is that um, Lewandowski is um, back, getting back to his best. I thought he had a fantastic performance. Uh, maybe got a little bit lucky with his assist, but it was still a very good assist. And maybe for the for the first time this season, uh, we saw just how influential James Rodriguez can be when he's on top of his game. Now, if he can carry that performance on into the Champions League um, the you know, week after next, then... I think Bayern will, will stand a very good stead potentially going through because he was key um, for me last season and know both Mano and I singled him out as probably Bayern's best player and one of the best players in the whole of the league. So if they can get um, Lewandowski and Hamas performing at the same time and Gnabry starting to come into his own as is Goretzka, um, uh, I think that is a pretty frightening Bayern side. And I think the main question now is, can they make up that five-point difference? I wouldn't put it past them having watched Dortmund and Bayern in the last few weeks, especially with Marco Royce out. Um, if it's any more than that, if it's any more extended than that 11 days, that could ha- um, hurt Dortmund mentally, which will then affect them on the pitch. And that that five points could become two points with the game in the Allianz coming up. And, and two points is a full-on title race. And that can go either way. Yeah, maybe just to add, um, I think going forward, Chris, that Bayern side is very, very good. I think when you look at the young players that they have, James Rodriguez finding his, um, his finding his mojo again, and uh, for me Lewandowski is is still one of the best strikers in the world. Uh, attacking wise, that Bayern side is back. For me, it's that defense. Defense is a big problem for them. They they haven't figured out to get away from that Pep Guardiola era where they defend very high, um, which is fine. It's fine to defend high, but if you don't have the legs to get back. You get beaten by pretty much every side that you're playing. I mean, this happened to them in the cup, happened to them today uh, on on Saturday, happened to them last week against Leverkusen. That is where their main problem is. They're attacking wise, their midfield is world class, their attack is world class, but their defense is absolutely shambles. Yeah, that's why I think this Champions League game could be seven six to either side because I mean what you've. Um, what you've described there it is pretty much how Liverpool are playing at the, at the moment. They've stuttered at the back a bit. Um, don't forget Van Dijk will be missing for that first leg. Um, so the likes of um, James Rodriguez, Goretzka, Gnabry, Lewandowski are, are going to play against a, a depleted back line. And then you've also got the um, you've also got a Liverpool side that can go back to the Allianz and maybe make up a two a two goal deficit but could even throw away a two-goal advantage. So it's going to be a really fascinating game and it's a hard one to call for me right now as we stand at this moment, which of those two sides goes through. And I think even though I'm a Liverpool supporter, as, as a journalist who, who watches German football and English football, um, I think that that's a great position to be in because you're just going to get a fantastic match and I think whoever wins that game will be deserved winners. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another exciting um, affair, to be honest. Um, Jack, do you see it going any other way? But uh, what the guys are saying that, well, the, it, it should be goals galore because both teams are having defensive issues. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely going to be the tie of the round in the 
Champions League round of 16. Just be, <laughs> just because of that, it's it's what you want to see as a as a neutral for all those neutrals out there. Obviously, obviously not you Liverpool fans, but uh, yeah, I think especially I don't know what's the status of Manuel Neuer. He, it's not like he's been his old self this season, even if he were to play in those games. Um, I have an update on that, Jack. So he will he will test his thumb. This is the official line from the club on Friday against Augsburg. So make of that what you will. They're actually going to use, they're going to use a, a Bundesliga game to check his fitness. Yeah, is, is that <laughs> insulting to Augsburg? I don't know. Um, and will he really get tested that much? That's that's another. I, I, I'll be at that game, so I, I'll let you guys know. But yeah, that's been what uh, that's the word on the streets in Munich. Okay, well, Manu, you wanted us to just take a little second before talking about the Sunday games uh, to talk um, a little bit about. It's, Sad news, um, really. There, there's, uh, there's been a, a death in the last week of Rudy Assur, former manager and player uh, within Germany. He, he played for Borussia Dortmund, Werner Bremen. He also managed Werner Bremen and Schalke as well. Um, Manu, can you tell us a little bit uh, more about this character? He, he seemed like quite the character and had quite the image uh, by the sounds of things. So when you say manage, he was he was a manager, not a not a manager. You know, like a manager in German terms, like a sporting director, um, which in German people who are new to this part uh, in Germany, a manager manages the team and the head coaches coach. Um, in the nineties, we had these we had a ton of manager personalities that were quite glamorous, and Rudi Assauer was one of them, um, together with Willy Lemke, who was at Bremen. And of course, Oli Hoeneß at Bayern, who was um, a, a manager at the time in the '90s, and they, um, it was, the Bundesliga was almost like a so- '90s soap opera at the time with these these glamour boys. Um, they, 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 you would get the best sound bites out of them at uh, TV shows. They would sometimes they would come into the sports studio and they would sit next to each other and they would argue with each other, right, about the title race, the best players, etc. And then you would get some really good sound bites from it. And Rudy Assauer was one of those really outspoken characters, but he was also a very good sporting director. He was the he laid the foundation for the new stadium in Schalke. Um, he was the guy who built the team that won the UEFA Cup in 1997. Um, he was also the four-minute champion, um, you know, the team that in 2001 uh, thought they had won the German championship, but then a late free kick uh, in Hamburg, um, a late Bayern free kick in Hamburg um, shattered the dream. And um, then, uh, But a few days later, they would actually win the Cup. Um, he and he he built all of that and uh, built more the club modern Schalke. That was that was something he did. Um, but a lot of people also remember him positively in Dortmund because he's actually also won the UEFA Cup Winners Cup with Borussia Dortmund, um, the first German team to win a UEFA sanctioned competition. So yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend in the league and he's accomplished a lot. So uh, he passed away complications of Alzheimer's, a disease he's battled for the last ten years. And um, very sad news for the entire league because they, they're losing quite a personality. Yeah, very sad news indeed. Uh, yeah, we send our wishes to his family, I suppose, and friends. Um, well, we'll move on to the Sunday games where we've seen uh, many of the uh, the relegation uh, threatened sides uh, come up against each other. Um, unfortunately, with Schalke losing to uh, Bayern Munich, Osberg and Stuttgart both couldn't take advantage of that, the two sides that were below them. But um, we, we did see plenty of goals. Unfortunately, they were both one-sided affairs. Uh, Werner Bremen winning 4-0 against Osberg and Fortuna Dusseldorf winning 3-0 against Stuttgart. So, Chris, does this make it any clearer as to who's going to go down and who's going to be battling in the whole relegation, um, I suppose, campaign uh, going into the final stages of the league? I mean, if you look at it, Nuremberg, we talked about already being down with 12, probably. Um, Hanover, 14. Stuttgart, 15. Osberg, 18. And then Schalke, 22. It's probably, well... A four-horse race, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that four-horse race, we won't know any better next week because they've all got difficult games. Um, Nuremberg are hosting Dortmund, Hanover are away to Hoffenheim, um, Stuttgart are hosting Leipzig, um, and Augsburg are hosting Bayern. And I can't see any of those four teams picking up any points. So um, I think it's a good chance for Schalke maybe to... 
um, increase um, the, the distance between them and, and 15th, which is um, Augsburg uh, 18 and Schalke on 22. I think it'll be a good chance for um, Schalke maybe to move back over Freiburg, but it's. I think we can safely say that Nuremberg are done um, and then probably Hanover are, are quite close to be going. Um, so it's, it's for me, it's still going to be a fight between Augsburg and Stuttgart, um, but Stuttgart start need to picking up some points, but I can't see them getting it this coming weekend either. So maybe let's talk about this again in two weeks' time. Will we know any different? Yeah, indeed. I, I think next week, if anyone of those sides pick up points, you know, it'll be a, a hell of a, a bonus for them. It's, um, it's very tough games ahead. Um, Jack, um, though for Fortuna Dusseldorf, thing, things are looking pretty good in, at the moment. Funkel seems to be doing a pretty good job there. As, you know, and this was an, another massive victory for them. They're up to 12th now with 25 points. Yeah, I think it's it's been a fantastic season for them and they're not across the line yet, obviously, but with 25 points, they're in a really good position if they can maintain this pace and or even slow down a little bit and just get a point per game on average through the rest of the season. They'll be in a comfortable mid-table position and can look to be back in, in the Bundesliga for the foreseeable future. Yeah, a, a fantastic job for them. I'm sure they'll be happy, but as we said, there's still plenty to play for at the moment. Um Manu, how do you feel the situation is panning out for the likes of Stuttgart? Who, um, yeah, I mean that that's a pretty abysmal uh, performance and loss. You know, to Fortuna this weekend, uh, think things are looking very difficult for them. <laughs> They're an absolute shambles. Um, I mean, Matthew Marshall, he put it quite well in his in his uh, in his thoughts on the game, and he he was at the game and. Um, Really good report, by the way. It's on it's on fußballstadt.com, and they're in absolute shambles. And I have I have no idea how Reschke and Dietrich, the, the president, and of course the sporting director, they spend so much money on the side, and this is what you've been getting. And um, you know, you almost feel sorry in some ways for Weinzierl, the, the head coach, right, because he's been handed the side. And this has been something that's been going on in Stuttgart for the last. Since I can think, I, I can't think of a single season where Stuttgart did not replace their coach halfway through the year. And this year they might do it twice. And um, I think when you are in a situation like that at a club that is it's a massive club, Stuttgart a big club with a big fan following, a big stadium um, and lots of money because of Mercedes-Benz, it, it, it's something I just don't I just don't comprehend. Yeah, definitely tough times there and uh, looking rather bleak for the sides down in that four team battle. But um, let's um, talk about three teams at the moment as three guys, Chris, Manu and Jack, have picked their teams of the week. So, um, well, Chris, let, let's start off with you. How about you uh, run through yours? This is uh, the second week of our new feature. Uh, is indeed. So who have I gone for? Yeah, well, I've gone for um, Pavlenka in goal, um, Rulison, um, Hakimi and Hinteruga um, in the, in the, I've gone for a back three and that's because I wanted to squeeze in an extra midfielder. Uh, so midfield-wise, I don't think anyone can argue with Branton, Havertes, um, Sancho um, and even uh, Bellarabi, who I've sneakily moved back into midfield, Bryce, because he's technically a winger. Um, and that's left me with um, three attackers, Volland, um, Davi Selka from Hertha, who's just been excellent again, and um, Belfordil, who had another great game. So that's my 11 this week. Some rather obvious ones in there, maybe some lesser so, but no surprise to see Julian Brandt in, in there whatsoever. Um, Manu, how about you roll off uh, your team to us? Yeah, I've, I agree with Pavlenka. Um, he's outstanding. Um, then I went with a back four. Uh, I put Alaba, uh, one of the few defenders that uh, were not, we actually kind of kept it together for Bayern. I thought he was very good, uh, going very good for going forward as well. Hinteregger, um, yeah, he he cleverly navigated his move from Augsburg to Frankfurt. I talked about this last week, and he was excellent for Frankfurt this week. Stark and Klünter for Hertha. Um, Hertha did very well this match day. Then Brandt, I mean, we can't argue with that. Hummus. Um, uh, very very good match day for Hamas. Um, he looks looks like his former self, and I put Sancho into midfield. And then I guess you could kind of argue um, Götze is he a midfielder? Is he a striker? Either way, he's been excellent for the last three or four weeks. He's he's basically won his position from 
um, Alcazar, right? And he's been excellent. And Lewandowski, I mean, our special friend Didi Harman thinks he doesn't have anything to offer for Bayern. He's he's the top scorer. He he assisted on two as well. He's, was my man of the match against um, against. Schalke and then uh, Bellarabi. Uh, I moved in up front. I mean, we can argue where his best position is. Um, either way, he was fantastic. The reason I, I thought about Havertz um, was, I guess this will be something that we need to discuss, but I, he came off after 65 minutes. And um, so that's, I had to sacrifice a Leverkusen player. So that was why. Well, that leaves us just with uh, Jack then. Jack, how about you run your side by us? Yeah, a lot of the players have been named already by Manu and Chris, but there were a lot of really good attackers on display. So I went with Pavlenka in goal, then I I went for a back four. I tried to keep players actually in their positions. I know that's not really this, the spirit of the team of the week, or you can do Chris's uh, two fullbacks in that back three, which would make for a very attacking, very Bundesliga team. But... Um, yeah, I went with Kalajuri at right back, even though they, they lost to Bayern. He made eight tackles, which I thought was a pretty good performance. Uh, I went with Niklas Stark of Hertha Berlin, as Manu did. Um, Kan Ayen of Fortuna Dusseldorf. And at left back, I went with Jordan Turunariga. I think that's the... <laughs> I think that cannot be the correct pronunciation, sorry. No, no, that's bang on. Oh, Okay. Uh, that's a lucky one, I guess, <laughs> of, of Hertha Berlin. Um, in midfield, I went with Hamas and Julian Brandt, as well as Andre Duda at Berlin. I thought he had a really good game in that upset of Gladbach. And up top, not as much firepower as I went with Nico Muller on the right and Mila Rashitska of Werder Bremen on the left. And at striker, I had to go with Ishak Belfodil because he came on in the second half and scored two goals. What more can you ask for from a sub? Yeah, well, as you said, Jack, you know, the, quite a few of the players had already been uh, picked. But, you know, if, if they have a good week, they deserve to be picked. Uh, I suppose that means that we're going to have to try and pick um, some type of team uh, for the entire podcast between the four of us. I'll, I'll obviously come in and help you guys where I can. So, so uh, Manu, who are we going to pick in goals? I suppose that's the most obvious one, right? <laughs> yeah. So... Pavlenka. Um, I, I kind of put down a little bit of a preliminary. Um, the players that have been named three times or twice uh, go democratic, right? So Pavlenka, we all three named him. So that's an easy one to pick. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a little bit shocking if you guys picked <laughs> all picked him and we didn't pick him. So then what, what about midfield? Or sorry, what about defense? Uh, I, I, that, that was rather mixed. There, were, there wasn't many names that were repeated. Well, Stark was mentioned twice, so I, I think he should be in because of that. The same with Hinteregger, he was mentioned twice, right? Um, that leaves us with two positions, or one, if we go with Chris's formation. I think we can only fit one more defender, and there, was, there are so many good attackers. Well, I think then, uh, I think then Bryce. You know. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily uh, put in my uh, two pence worth. Um, I'll go for Resilient. I, th- I thought he uh, played very well. Again, that's two weeks in a row that he's contributed um, towards his, his side's uh, attacking threat. And yeah, I've got, I'll, I'll happily put him in there. So I suppose, guys, that means we move on to the midfield. Um, what, what formation are we playing? Are we going to play three in the midfield? Because surely that means that Julian Brandt will be in there. I would imagine well, Hamas... Bryce, you want to play 3-3-4? Three, three, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> That's right. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused. So we're going to play four in the midfield. So we've got Hamis, I would imagine. Julian Brandt. Yeah. Are we going to go for Sancho then? Yeah, we have to. He's named twice. Okay, so that's three. And anyone would like to debate who the fourth player should be? Well, I I, I would have put in Havertz um, if I had that extra room. I, I almost put Kai Havertz into my team as well. And, you know, you said he came out on 65 minutes. Well, Leverkusen scored their fifth goal in 64 minutes. So there really was, there was no more need to have him in there. Well, I know Chris agrees. Well, yeah, of course I agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's both. I mean, we were missing some players and that's both of my choices in. So obviously I'm going to agree 100%. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting his way, isn't he? Well, okay, well, now that we've settled on a, uh, a formation that I can understand, um, silly me, um, it, it's a 3-4-3, three, three, so at least three up top. Um, Bellarabi, yeah, will have to be in there. 
Yep. Um, who else are we going to go for? Well, Belfodil, right? Mentioned twice. Okay, yeah. If I was to throw in uh, my opinion, I'd probably go Davy Selke as well. Oh, that's well. all three. I, I think he's... Had, he's been... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm sorry. I, but I, I think Chris is possibly right. In the, uh, my reasoning for that is... He's been very impressive in in the last two games. I've I've liked what I've seen. Yeah, and he did get a great one from kicker as well. Um, so that's that is a good choice. And I mean, grade one. Uh, those who are confused, that's the best grade you can get in a German grading system. So uh, I think that's actually a fair call. <laughs> well, well, Jack, are you going to um going to argue that? Have, have you got anyone that you'd like to suggest instead? Maybe Lewandowski, but I don't know. I think I think Selka was more crucial to his team. There you go. Nicely put. Yeah, I think then we can agree on, on that team. That three, four, three. Um, guys, that does it. I suppose we we finish off with uh, agreeing on our team, which is lovely. Um, Jack, um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, we really appreciate it. We'll hopefully get you on here again very soon. But um, is there anything that you would like to draw um, our listeners' attention to that you've got coming up? Or how can people find you on the likes of Twitter? Yeah, my, my pleasure, Bryce. Thank you guys for having me on. It was It's always fun to talk Bundesliga, especially with you guys. And yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Jack Grimsey, J-A-C-K-G-R-I-M-S-E. Brilliant stuff. Yes, guys, definitely tune in um, whenever Jack's on. Um, and, and also follow him on Twitter. You know, he's, he's, he's got a fantastic uh, Twitter page. I know many a people, and not just people you know, in the Midlands that enjoy his uh, tweets. Um, Manu, what have you got going on across the Football Grad Network this week? Yeah, it's a, it's a busy one. We got uh, Champions League, Europa League, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and phew, we got a Monday game, Bryce, believe it or not. So, yeah, it's, it, all of those previews and match reports and all of that will be on uh, the football ground. Another Monday night game. We know yeah. how much uh, everyone enjoys that. Uh, Chris, uh, what have you got going on uh, midweek that you'd like to uh, draw people's attention to? And it's already mentioned it. Got Champions League midweek, obviously, and and Europa League. Um, no very nice um, halftime food for me in Wembley this week. Um, we got a no accreditation wise, which is the first one for a year, so we can't complain too much. Um, some of you win, some of you lose, and unfortunately, on this occasion, we'll be covering it remotely from the tube. Never mind. Um, but thank you very much for uh, tuning in and listening to us as always. We greatly appreciate it. Um, if you need more football in your life, head over to at Football Grad uh, Live on Twitter. There's so many articles, previews, match reports, and so much more on there. Um, that more or less does it from us on the podcast this week. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. And you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Um, enjoy the midweek games, and we'll be back rather soon. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.